When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Blog Talk Radio.
Good morning, my friends. The opening music was by Save Vocal Group from the CD Native Angels by Save. I really love this CD and has many, many spiritual songs with Native American instruments and Gregorian chanting, and unlike anything you've ever heard before. If you'd like to order this CD and others, go to Save.org. Uh, they do have a phone number uh, if you would like to call for more information, 210-573-6335. They are uh, actually do live shows, and uh, they have many interesting things to share with everyone. They're also on Facebook, and you can listen, of course, for free on YouTube. And uh, they also have a CD that uh, you can get anytime from Amazon. Well, good morning. I'm your host, um, Reverend Sean McCain, and I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created to provide an open-minded platform that focuses on the tenant. This Sunday is a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. All faiths are welcome. I'm a Christian in recovery, and that's just where I'm at, and all Bible readings will be out of uh, the Ryrie Study Bible, the one that I focus and read, and I have been since I found my first Bible in the trash, the Ryrie Study Bible, which I love very dearly. And you may use any Bible you wish, of course, and there are also online uh, Bibles, www.biblia.com, and where's my other one? I'll I'll tell you in a minute. Um, We just have ongoing Bible studies and readings, and uh, we just ask that you just come in and share, and uh, that's all, and listen. And we just, we keep it plain, and we keep it simple, and we just uh, do it just, you know, just as we go along. So we just be our real selves, and, you know, just take a seat and enjoy your spiritual experience for today. And the call-in number, if you have any questions or comments, 619-924-9744, and a sacred Sunday is every Sunday, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. For opening prayer, now let's say together, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But I am the same kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We do pray for all Christians and worshipers being persecuted worldwide. You know, and their freedom to worship and lives are in jeopardy. And you would think in this day and age that we would have freedom to express religion any way we want, but we don't. And other people's lives are in jeopardy for their religions, too. It's just, you know, crazy as usual. We pray for all those suffering from violence here at home and in their own homes and abroad. We pray for those suffering from domestic violence and freedom. And we pray for freedom from addiction of all kinds of things. Please, God, send your Archangel Michael to fight against evil and protect the little ones that can't protect themselves. And they're all your angels to watch over everyone here on earth. Our prayers go out to those who suffer the little ones that can't speak for themselves, including the animals. We also pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of our policymakers. And we also have prayed for the other decision makers in other countries. And our prayer goes out to everyone as we uh, suffer as policy goes, strangely enough. And also uh, we want to thank you, God, for helping us and guiding us and that Jesus, we thank you for uh, the, the way you have led us and taught us and how to be and helping us all grow under your care. 
and we wish everybody and their families and you know, keep them all in our prayers for this year and the next. The new year is coming up fast. And God, please help us in the year to come. Bless you do your will. Thank you, God. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I want to say happy birthday to everybody today, and I really do wish everybody a very happy and blessed birthday and a happy new year. And uh, may all your best, best dreams that, that are good for you come true. And uh, just wishing you all the best. You know, we've been reading in uh, last week, we were reading chapter 26. And uh, as usual, Paul was in court. And remember that Paul was before King Agrippa. And uh, King Agrippa said, go ahead and talk. You know, that's what you've been wanting to do. And people are, you know, saying all kinds of things about you. So Paul did talk. And uh, he had been arrested even though uh, he w- he was a, a Jew. And uh, he was also a Roman. And he was also a Pharisee. And, and, and he uh, really uh, kind of turned uh, King Agrippa's head and said, uh, you know, you're trying to convert me to Christianity? And it's almost like uh, Agrippa was even thinking about it. So, you know, today... We are going on to chapter 27, the next to the last chapter in the whole books of Acts. So go ahead and get your Bible out. Go to www.biblia.com if you don't have a Bible. And uh, if you do, let's get your Bible out. And we're reading Acts 27. Okay, here we go. Paul's voyage and shipwreck. Because remember uh, that you know, they were, actually had him in prison. So uh, now Paul's voyage and shipwreck, it's just 27, more trouble. When it was decided that we would all sail for Italy, they proceeded to deliver Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. And embarking in the Admamician ship, which was about to sail to the regions along the coast of Asia, we put out to sea, accompanied by... Aristarchus and Macedonius of Thessalonia. Macedonia of Thessalonia. The next day we put into Sidon and Julius treated Paul with consideration and allowed him to go to his friends and receive care. And from there we put out to the sea and sailed under the shelter of, to, to, of Cyprus because of the winds were contrary. So who's talking now is Luke. So Luke has painted a very descriptive uh, picture for us and he's amazing. Anyway, when we had sailed through the sea along with the coast of Sicilia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra in Lycia. When the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy, he put us aboard it. And when we had sailed slowly for a good many days and with difficulty had arrived at uh, Phoenicus, since the wind did not permit us to go farther, we sailed under the shelter of Crete off Salon. And with difficulty sailing past it, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was the city of Lycia. When considerable time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous, since even the fast was already already over, Paul began to admonish them. And he said to the men, I perceive that the voyage will certainly be damaged and great loss, not only of the cargo, but the ship, but also our lives. The centurion was more persuaded by the pilot 
and the captain of the ship than by what was being said by Paul. But Paul was on the ship prophesying. And now we're on 12. Because the harbor was not suitable for wintering, the majority reached a decision to put out to sea from there if somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor in Crete, facing the southwest and northwest and spend the winter there. When a moderate south wind came up, supposing that they had attained their purpose, they weighed anchor and began sailing along Crete, close to inshore. But before very long there rushed down from the land a violent wind called Iracolio. And when the ship was caught in it and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and let ourselves be driven along. Running under the shelter of a small island called Claudia, we were scarcely able to get the ship's boat under control. After they had hoisted it up, they used supporting cables to undergirding the ship, and fearing that they might run aground in the shadows of the Sirtis, they had led the sea anchor, and in this way let themselves be driven along. And the next day, they were being violently, violently storm-tossed, and it began to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Since neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small storm was assailing us from then on, all hope of our being saved was gradually abandoned. When they had gone a long time without food, then Paul stood up in their midst and said, Men, you ought to have followed my advice, and not from Crete, and incurred this damage and loss. Yet now I urge you to keep up your courage, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. And for this very night, an angel of God, to whom I belong, and whom I serve, stood before me, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, keep up your courage, men, and I believe God, God that it will turn out exactly as I have told you but we must run aground on a certain island. But then the 14th night came. Boy, you can imagine they're starving 14 nights by now. And when the 14th night came, and as we were driven along the Adriatic Sea, about the midnight, the sailors began to surmise that they were approaching some land. Now we're up to 28. They took soundings and found it to be 20 phantoms, and a little farther they took another sounding, and it... Turned out, found it to be 15 phantoms. Fearing that we might run aground somewhere in the rocks, they cast four anchors from the stern and wished for daybreak. But as the sailors were trying to escape from the ship and had let down the ship's boat into the sea on the pretense of intending to lay out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion to the soldiers, Unless these men remain in the ship, you yourselves cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away their ropes from the ship's boat and let it fall away. Until the day was about to dawn, Paul was encouraging them all to take some food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you have been constantly watching and going without eating, having taken nothing. Therefore I encourage you some with some food, for this is for your preservation, and not a hair from your head of any of you will be perished. Having said this, he took bread and gave thanks to God in all the presence of all, and he broke it and began to eat. All of them were encouraged, and they themselves also took food. All of us in the ship were 276 people, persons. When they had eaten enough, they began to lighten the ship by throwing out the wheat into the sea. 
The day, when the day came, they could not recognize a land, but they did observe a bay with a beach, and they, saw to, they resolved to drive the ship onto it if they could. And casting off the anchors, they left them in the sea, while at the same time they were loosening the ropes of the rudders and hoisting the first, hoisting the first sail to the wind, which they were heading for the beach. But striking a reef where the two seas met, they ran the vessel aground, and the prow stuck fast and remained immovable. The stern began to be broken up by the force of the waves. The soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners so that they, none of them may be some way escape. But the centurion, wanting to bring Paul safely through, kept them from their intention and commanded that those who could swim should swim, should jump overboard and first and get to land and the rest would follow, some on planks, others on various things from the ship. And so it happened that they were brought, all were brought safely to land. Wow, what a dramatic seafaring story, really, if you really think about it. The detail, wow. Anyway, let's go back and read the notes. Salon 27. One, Luke commanded, I'm sorry, excuse me, Luke accompanied Paul to Rome centurion, a commander of a hundred Roman soldiers. Adramitian, a port in the west coast of the Asia Minor, it's modern Turkey, just south of Troas. Now we're up to 27.4. I'm reading the notes now. Under the shelter of the Cyprus, the prevailing early autumn winds came from the northwest, making the headwinds difficult for a coastal vessel to handle an open ocean. So the ships sailed around the east end of Cyprus, the lee side, and headed north for the coast of Sicilia, where it would then head west, close to the shore for many miles. And now we're up to 27.6. The group transferred to an Egyptian ship carrying grain. Now we're on 9. The fast was already over. Only one fast was prescribed by law, and that was on the Day of Atonement. If this was the year 59, the fast was October 5th. To, sit, to sail this late was very hazardous. This means that Paul left for Syria in August or September and did not arrive in Rome until following March. Well, that's a long time. The Iraquilo is a hybrid word, half Greek, half Latin, meaning east-north, standing for a treacherous northeast wind. And then 2716, to get the ship's boat under control, the dinghy probably being towed and starting to fill up with water so they cut it out. Supporting cables in the undergrinding of the ship, some sort of rope that was trussed to keep the beams from separating, and the Adriatic Sea. In this period, the Adriatic Sea was a name applied to the Mediterranean east of Sicily, and not merely to the present Adriatic Sea. A phantom, now, we remember we heard about phantom in 2728, and a phantom is about six feet. I didn't know that. And then 2730. On the pretense of intending to lay out anchors from the bow, the bow, sorry, these sailors thought their chances of surviving were better if they could get away from the passengers. And then Paul, the prisoner, was risen up to place a commanding of leadership on this ship. And the purpose of lighting this ship was to raise her in the water and let her run as close to the beach as possible before grounding. And then then a reef for two seas met. They did not reach the shore, but ran aground on the shoal. I've seen those shoals. Okay, so soldiers were 27, 42, 43. 
Soldiers were executed if their prisoners escaped. The gods to the centurion overruled their intention to kill the soldiers. And that brings us to 28, and that'll be the last chapter in Acts. We have made it through this whole thing, which is really quite amazing. And then we'll read the notes that are attached to Acts. And we want to really thank St. Luke for uh, this exciting chapter. And so I have a story that kind of, I'm reading now from Angels on Earth. And you can get this little, it's just a little small magazine. It's so awesome. It has beautiful pictures. And the Angels on, uh, the website address is angelsonearth.org. And it is a guidepost uh, publication. You know, I read guideposts almost every Sunday. So this real little story that I picked, this time I really picked it. And uh, so let's see, it's on page 16 on the September-October 2014 uh, Angels on Earth magazine. I'll read you a little story. This story is from Jerusalem to Rome, and it's by Rick Hamlin, senior contributing editor. Anyway, uh, it's really he's really talking about Luke, and he's the writer that we were just talking about a second ago. It says, dramatic conversion, daring witnesses, last-minute escapes from prison, tumultuous trips across the sea, survival against all odds, the book of Acts is full of action, and then none of it would have happened without angels at work. They make an appearance right in the first chapter. Jesus has just ascended to heaven. The apostles are gathered around. His promise that they will receive the Holy Spirit ringing in their ears. His command that they will be his witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth, surely rattling them. To the end of the earth? How is that possible? In one of my favorite paintings of the moment, all the apostles can see Jesus' wounded feet, their last view of him as he's lifted up, disappearing in the cloud. You could imagine them stirring up, willing him to come back down. Amazing things that have happened when he was present. Happenings, casting out demons, healing, water turned to wine, people walking away from lucrative professions like tax collecting to follow him. But how could any of them do it with him gone? The angels, two men in white robes, appear out of nowhere to proclaim God's honest truth. Why are you standing here looking towards heaven, they ask? This, this Jesus, who, you've take, who, who was taken up to heaven from you, will come in the same way that you saw him go to heaven. Meanwhile, there's work to do. Luke wrote not only of the gospel bearing his name, but he also wrote the author, he was the author of Acts. See, I didn't know when I first picked this story out that it was actually and talk about that he is the author of Acts, but this is kind of incredible. Anyway, it goes together today. The two books should really be read as one. It's a narrative that starts in Jerusalem with the announcement of the John the Baptist's birth, ends in Rome with Paul's arrival to preach the good news. It's an extraordinary journey from the spiritual center of Judaism to the capital of Roman Empire. Luke paints his scenes vividly, letting us see the angels from the start, appearing to Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary, to the shepherds out in the fields grazing their flocks, to the women in the tomb of the Easter morning. And now the disciples are on their own, their good shepherd gone, and the angels will help them. For instance, look what happens to Peter thrown into the prison for preaching the word at Solomon's porch at the temple and healing the sick. And we already read that. No sooner is he under the lock and key with the other apostles in a dungeon cell than the angel appears to open the door at night, leading them out. It happens to Peter again seven chapters later, this time it's Herod who has thrown him into prison. Peter's asleep, chained to two prison guards. The angel appears with a light in the cell and nudges Peter awake. 
quick, get up. And the chains fall from Peter's wrist. Get dressed, the angel tells him, and put on your sandals, put on your coat, and follow me. Peter makes his way out of the prison, passing two sets of guards, even going through the massive iron gate to the city. All the while, Peter thought he was being led by a vision, a phantom, but once he found out on the street, he realized where his help has come from. This is no vision, but something real. His chains are, chains are gone. He is free. Luke, mind you, is not the only good storyteller, but he's a historian. He's setting the record straight, putting the events in a historical context. Remember how he starts his account of Jesus' birth, letting us know who the earthly ruler is at the time. In those days, Caesar Augustus. Now, two generations later, he takes us to Herod's palace and shows us that Herod Agrippa, the current king, suffers the same megalomania that led his grandfather to slaughter innocent children in a fit of jealousy at Jesus' birth. In the book of Acts, this Herod seats himself on the throne, proclaims that he is divine. Immediately, Luke writes, an angel from the Lord struck Herod down because he didn't give the honor to God, and he was eaten by worms and died. The same dramatic exit without the mention of the angel is recorded by Josephus, a contemporary Jesus historian of that era. Angels have more benign roles in the spreading of the gospel. The apostle Philip was given instructions on how to teach the Gentiles. At noon, take the road that leads to Jerusalem to Gaza, an angel tells Philip. There he meets a eunuch responsible for the treasure that belonged to the Ethiopian queen. While sitting in his carriage, the eunuch is reading the book of Isaiah, and Philip approached him and asked, Do you really understand what you're reading? Without someone to guide me, how could I? He then invited Philip to sit with him and teach him, telling him the good news until they came, they came to some water. Look, water, what, what would keep me from getting baptized? He ordered the carriage to halt, and Philip baptizes him, all thanks to an angel's guidance. The angels in Acts don't limit their appearance to the apostles. Cornelius is a centurion, a pious Gentile who served Caesar but also gave to the Jewish people. One day he saw an angel in a vision telling him to invite Peter to his house. The man had no idea who Peter was or what message Peter would bring, but he sent his messengers to Peter's house. At that same moment, Peter was experiencing his own vision that he is to eat all kinds of four-legged animals, reptiles, and wild birds. Peter protests. The food in his vision is impure. The voice speaks to him and explains, never considered unclean, but God has made pure. Remember, that was a big lesson to us. Typically for Peter, he steadfast, but no quick study. The vision appears three times until he struggles to understand. Then Cornelius' Cornelius's men appear and tell Peter that an angel directed their master to summon him and hear what he had to say. Together with some of the believers, they went to Caesarea to Cornelius' house. Here's an important meeting. Gentile and Jew meet under one roof. That's why it was so important, remember? And that means that Peter could actually sit down and eat with them. The gospel is not meant for just one, but for all the ends of the earth, as Peter puts it. I really am learning that God doesn't show partiality to one group of people over another. Or as Paul wrote in his epistle to the Galatians, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all in one in Christ Jesus. The two stars of the book of Acts are the apostles, and in particular Peter and Paul. The angels have their machinery behind them, leading their mystical aid. 
as the angels promised at Jesus' birth, praising God and saying in Luke's gospel, Glory to God in heaven and on earth, peace among those who he favors. No wonder Luke is often depicted as a medieval art, as a painter. He painted angels with his words, and also in the Greek tradition, he was also an uh, artist. And back then, they did make icons because most of uh, the world was illiterate at the time, and they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't be able to read. So they, Luke would paint icons about the stories that, that happened, and because he was there in you know 60 A.D and was experiencing all these things with you. And he, is, he was an apostle, and he's also experiencing all these other things. And as we said in this chapter, that he was along with, uh, he was along with Paul on this, this big ship travel, that, uh, you know, he has learned many things, and he's an artist, and he painted the words that are so beautiful in this chapter. So we actually are going to go with you next week and we're going to read the last chapter of Acts. I cannot believe we made it through the whole Gospels. We're up to the Acts, and now we're done with Acts. So one more tra- exciting chapter in Acts, and then we moved on to Romans. And I just want to thank you so much for tuning in, and God bless you all. And it's just wonderful to uh, see friends there in chat. I wanted to say hi to my dear friend Anne, and uh, God bless you for coming and being a faithful friend and, and listener to our show this morning. And uh, anyway, so this lesson is for us to hang in there uh, and just keep our faith. And I just uh, am very, very, very happy that uh, we have these resources available to us and that we can either go online to read the Bible, uh, get to your church today or whatever day you celebrate. And uh, I just want to say God bless you and thank you for everything. And let's close our prayer together in the traditional way, after we have some fo- moment of focus of for those who are out there are still suffering. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. In closing, may God bless and keep you in his loving arms so that you may have the strength to face whatever is ahead. You just have to remember you're never alone. God loves you so much. May your best dreams come true and true love live in your heart. Remember, you can message me anytime on Facebook. You can reach me, Charlene Simpson McCain. And I want to say bye, my friends, and God bless you. You can also put a message at the show and leave me your email so I can contact you. And if you need to uh, reach me in any way, you can write me, Sean McCain, PO Box 980, Hermosa Beach, California, 90254. And I want to God bless you very much. And I will see you next week. And take care. And also, Happy New Year. Blessed New Year ahead. Take care, everybody.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.